What's going on, world? I'm finally trying to get this thing started. This podcast was supposed to be here a little while back, but I've been battling this flu for like two months. But you know, we're gonna get right. I wanna start off by introducing myself. My name's Marvin Montez. Some people know me as Marvin Montz, Montrell. really wanted to start this podcast as a way to kind of open up to the world at the same time connect with others that might be on the same journey as I am so for the first episode I figured I would just kind of talk about me where I came up how I came up because I got to keep this thing interesting but I really want to kind of get into the story of me Just to start off, I was born in Montreal, Canada, uh, in a part of the of Montreal called Saint Leonard. And my family is of Haitian descent. My mother is first generation out of Haiti, and you know she raised me in Montreal with my brother and my sister. I have an older sister and a younger brother, so pretty much from my childhood, that's where I stayed. Grew up around. A lot of Italians and a lot of Middle Easterns, Jamaicans, just those cultures kind of influenced how I came up. I moved to Brockton in 2004 going into fifth grade. My mother had already left Montreal and she moved to the States. At the time it was just me, my brother, my older sister, and my grandmother living in the house. My sister was gonna have her first kid you know, raising the two brothers, the grandmother, and bringing the kid. That was a bit overwhelming, so they figured me and my brother would just move down to the States with my mom. I wasn't a fan of it. I'll tell you that right now. There was nothing about that that I, that I liked at first. Just because it was, a little, it was a little sudden, and at that time I already had my own consciousness to know that I was comfortable, I was getting comfortable, I was beginning to have friends in the neighborhood. I was finding myself in Montreal, but you know, you're not an adult, so you just have to do what the adults say you'll do. And we ended up moving to Brockton. Uh, Brockton was predominantly a Cabernet community. There were Haitians there too. Uh, We hung out a lot in Mattapan and Boston. So... Those were the neighborhoods and the environments that I was in when I moved out. And Brockton, I started at the Kennedy School. That's where I picked up from. I was going into fifth grade. Picked up at the Kennedy School. Shout out to the Kennedy School. Um, I didn't know how to speak English at the time, so I, I learned through that process. And you know, good and bad, they would laugh at you. Some people would understand, but they definitely had an ESL program that I made it out of pretty much within six months I was out of there. So I learned the language pretty quick. And I was also writing rhymes from Gemin 94.5 to help me out. Like I would, I would write down Eminem's lyrics, DMX lyrics that I would hear on the radio in order to be able to speak the language and learn it. So that, that helped, believe it or not. Um, I was, I was a pretty solid student till about sixth grade. Well, first it was fourth grade. 
I started hanging out, you know, with the kids in the neighborhood. And my fourth grade teacher used to look out and always tell me, like, you know, why were you hanging out there when she'd be waiting for the bus? And I was a little standoffish. My mother wasn't there. Uh, no, 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 let me rephrase that. My mother was there, but she wasn't in the city. So I, you just kind of felt like you could do what you want. My dad wasn't around. So at the time, you know, my grandmother wasn't really going to stop me. And my sister was going through her own life. So it just kind of gave me an opening to hang out with the kids in the neighborhood. So the time in the go to Brockton kind of worked out in my favor. I got to start fresh somewhere new and detached from that. But around sixth grade, I, I got into that same mode, like hanging out with the kids outside, trying to see and find different ways to be cool. And my grades started taking. Um, I wish I could remember my sixth grade teacher's name, but I, I remember him pulling me aside and showing me my grades from fifth and sixth grade when I was completing elementary school. And he asked me like, what changed? And I didn't have an answer. It was m more so the influence. I went from an A student to a C average student. You know, class wasn't really my thing. I had more of an urge to try to be cool. That was, that was, that was where my mind was at at the time. I don't know. Maybe other kids go through that. For me, it was just a matter of like, I was never the coolest kid. I was chubby, you know, the chubby Haitian kid that didn't speak English. You know, the, the gear wasn't that fly to, to American standard that that young Haitian kid with the brown sandals is just not that fly. Like I remember going to cookouts and my mother and my stepfather would be adamant about me wearing my brown sandals. And then you show up to the cookout, these kids would have on J's and sneakers and you're the only kid there with them brown slippers on your feet. That, that was pretty much like the upbringing I had. So moving to Brockton, it had, it had its, its up and downs. I won't say it was all bad. Um, a lot of good came out of it. I kind of got to find myself and what I really wanted. And it, it, it built this hustler's mentality out of me. Just because my first experience, it wasn't long, but um, it, I want to say it was probably the, that summer. So when we moved down, my mom was renting a room and somebody's house with my stepfather. So she didn't have her own place yet. And me and my brother moved in and we stayed there. So it was pretty much my brother, myself, my mom and my stepdad in that one room. And I remember vividly the day that I had enough. Um, as a kid, I suffered from allergies. So like dust would just, would just fuck me up. And there was one night, because we slept on the floor on sheets, and um, I don't know if the floor was dusty or what, but I woke up the next day, and I couldn't open my eyes. And I just pretty, like, pretty much I cried, like, the whole day, just being miserable. And I told myself, like, yo, you know what? No, like, this isn't for me. I, I'm, not, I'm not satisfied with this. And it just created this hunger, this hunger. Like, I need, I need more. You know, I came from Montreal. Me and my brother had our own room that we shared. A basement, a kitchen with an island. Um, of course, as a kid, me saying this now, the apartment probably wasn't really that lit. Moving into this situation, it was almost like I was aware. I was already aware of, of things about life where I wasn't okay with it. And I already had a reputation of being a black sheep in the family. Some people might hear this. They might not like it. They might feel like 
I don't know, I can't even speak for them, but I was already, I had this reputation in the family amongst the aunts. Already, out of all of my mother's kids, I already had the weakest background. My father wasn't around. My brother had his dad around, um, and my sister had her father around. You know, although I don't know what the dynamics of their relationship were, if they were happy or not, but my dad was just kind of a, a, a no-show. He just popped up here and there. And I was just an easy target. So I learned to, um, to defend myself early on with my aunts. Like they would kind of blame me for things that would happen, but I wouldn't just stand down. So I became the, the, the rebel. I became the guy that didn't listen, which was okay with me. It just gave me more awareness pretty much of the people that are around you. So when I moved to Brockton, I already knew like, this is not what I want. This is not what I want. The situation is not what I want. Then we ended up getting an apartment on Florence Street. Uh, it was, which I want to say it was a one bedroom apartment. We converted the living room to another bedroom for my mother and my stepfather. Me and my brother took the other room and then the bathroom was in the kitchen. And we had the living room. It was small, but it was much better. I started school, everything was all good. Um, and then again, I started kind of hanging out with the kids, going into sixth grade. I just started falling off. Now, when I got to middle school is where I started seeing different ways to make money. We ended up getting a computer with uh, a CD burner. And at the time, I don't know if you guys remember, like you still had the X's written on the CD burner, like the 2X, the 4X. You know, if you had an 8X CD burner, your shit was booming. Because a 2X, you're taking three hours to burn this 20-minute CD. But um, I used to go down to the local job lot on the south side and just still blink CDs. Of course, of course, this was some of the cats I was hanging out with. But I used to just steal like a 100-pack of blink CDs in my pocket. You know, it ruined some of them because it's not the whole case. But then I'd go back home. And I would burn mixed CDs for the kids at school. And I would charge them $5 a pop. So $5 a pop, I would burn the CD. And that's how I kind of started building friendships and, and middle school. Um, middle school was, was intriguing in a way for me. I now started to understand like the dynamics of liking girls, them liking you back, not liking you, being hurt, all that stuff. Even like the gang life and, and being in cliques. For the most part, I did pretty well. I did pretty well hanging by myself. I'm usually a lone wolf. But, you know, the gang culture was pretty dominant back then. So, if you didn't have a clique or somebody, you know, just people around you to kind of protect you, you you'd be a target. So, I affiliated myself with uh, different groups, which I'll probably bring up in later episodes. But, um... You know, that started happening. So you're starting to learn more about what goes on in, in, in the street. Like, I I wasn't a weed smoker till I was 20, 21 maybe. But kids at my school, in middle school, I went, um, kid at my middle school, shout out to West Junior High, by the way. Um, at the time, some of the kids were already smoking weed. Some of the kids already had guns. And I try to stay away from it for the most part, but... After a while, it gets hard to just not partake in that shit. Um, so I started hanging out and um, finding different ways, like these kids out here making and making money, and they were getting the girls more more importantly than anything at the time. 
It was about the girls for me. Like, damn, yo, these cats are getting the, the girls. But, you know, all the hood niggas were getting the bitches at the time. So, I made my entry with the CDs. Just kind of like, yo, whatever you need, boom, boom, handled it like that. And in the cafeteria, I remember one day in eighth grade, the Brockton Enterprise was doing, they were looking for people to deliver their newspaper. So I signed up and throughout the summer, I got a call and they were like, yeah, let's do it. So I started delivering newspapers for the Brockton Enterprise. After like three weeks, like, you know, I was making my 50, 60 a week. Um, but one week, I remember um, I owed them money and it, it just didn't make sense. So I took that last check and I went up to the kid up the up the street. I'ma just call him A. Uh, just I don't know what they're doing now. So <laughs> I went up to my boy A up the street, and I was like, "Yo, I got sixty dollars, man. I'm looking for for at the time I called it drugs. Like I'm looking for some drugs because I'm trying to make some money." He laughed at me, and I was like, "I'm that serious. Like I, I need I need some work. I'm trying to get this going." And this was me going into high school. So, you know, he fronted me, 60, he didn't even take it, he fronted me that first time. He's like, all right, bro, you know, bring me back such and such. And then I started, I didn't know what I was doing, man. I was just stuffing these bags up with the shit and just going out, selling it for $10 a piece and coming back and reading up every time. So now it starts high school. I was still pretty low key, like my clientele knew. Everybody else had just kind of minded my business. I didn't know the risk really. And I made some friends in high school. So I started kind of bringing them into what I was doing. Um, two of my best friends, I'd probably validate these stories, but um, you know, I would just ask for help. Cause at the time I was, I was just a kid on the South side of Brockton. My plug lived up the street. Like there's not much clientele. Like I, I didn't have a whip. I wasn't really leaving, leaving the block like that, you know? I'll probably go as far as I wore in that market and Lickety Splits to try to move some shit. And damn, Lickety Splits, yo. That was the spot. They had the, the, the blue slush. I don't even know what flavor that shit was, but the blue slush, that was fire. Shout out to Lickety Splits. Um, so I used to just go to Lickety Splits and wear in that market. Wear in that market, pull up with a dollar, get a zebra cake, Doritos, and two teenies. Like that was, that was just the spot. And my boy lived on the west side, and then my boy Major lived on the north side. So that was just easy. Like, ah, right, you know what? Hey, y'all go move it where y'all are at. And that was good. That was good for a little bit. Um, I wasn't doing the whole CD thing anymore in high school because it, it got a little bit overwhelming. Like, niggas started getting into, like, data discs, asking me to put, like, 100 songs on a CD. I'm like, yo, bro, like, I'm, I'm good with all this. Like, this shit was kind of, it wasn't booming, but it was giving me enough to... Just do my thing. In high school, you know, you're seeing a hundred, two hundred dollars a week. That shit was pretty comfortable. And then I got my first job at Burger King. That was pretty dope as well. I hated it, but I loved it. It was one of those jobs that was easy. It was in the same, uh, my mother used to work at ExxonMobil on Route 24, Route 24 South. And I used to work at that Burger King. Um, some days, my mom would work, wake up at 5 a.m. to go to work. Some days, I would literally just ride with her, stay till 5 a.m., 
Sleep in the car and wait for my shift at 11. Work 11 to 7, she'll come back and pick me up. Um, I just really was about money back then. That was really my motive. I was really about money. Money's always been something that, that intrigued me. It doesn't necessarily motivate me, but um, finding different ways to make it and stack it up and doubling it up, like that whole process to me is pretty cool. Um, high school, for the most part, I was maybe, I didn't really mess with girls like that. I was in one relationship going in and another going out. And now that was pretty much the gist of it. I just kind of kept my distance from everything because my focus was just on that. I didn't want to be too loud either. So high school, a lot happened, man. I, I built a studio because my boys, my boys out of Ottawa and Canada, the incredible pack. Uh, shout out to my cousin Funk too. Because those were my OGs in the music, in the music thing. And they pretty much were doing their thing up there. So they were putting me on, like how to mix, the kind of equipment to set up. My shit was cheap. I ain't even gonna lie to you. My pop filter was a do-rag with a hanger that I, that I bent. Like I, I tied it to the pole and then I bent it to make it a circle and tied the do-rag to have a pop filter over the mic. That shit worked for me. So I started, I started, you know, selling studio time at my mom's crib, just doing really anything to get my hands on, on, on a little bit of cash. And I was dropping music too at the time. I'm not gonna say I was the first, but I was pretty early on with dropping music online. Cause I, I do remember putting some, some shit on SoundClick at the time. Now it's this producer heaven, but before that SoundClick was just a spot where you could find music. You know, when my OGs put me on, nice to just put my shit on SoundClick and send it to niggas' emails. And not a lot of niggas had emails back then. So when I was doing that, it was almost like I was doing magic to them. Like, oh shit, this nigga got music on the internet. This was probably like freshman year. And then you got social media coming around and uh, MySpace. So I started plugging in my songs through the MySpace profile. Like I was just kind of trying to stay ahead of the curve. But in high school, like music brought me trouble too. Cause during that era, I don't know if you guys remember, it was a big battling scene. Back in 2006, 2007, that was like street battles. Niggas would just meet up behind the shards and just go off, yo. Um, so that brought a lot of a lot of tension for me, cause I was always the nigga that was ready. I was always ready, and I had the studio at my house. Like nigga would talk, I'm just ready to go lay lace a track, and. Um, Speaking of that, I ended up I ended up getting in trouble for some shit. Um, I I didn't even really partake in it per se. You know, niggas try to set me up, try to jump me, but it happened two days in a row. So my housemaster ended up um, suspending me for ten days. He claimed it was for my safety. I don't believe it, um, and I ended up losing the scholarship because of that. Which is whatever. I'm not. I'm not losing sleep over it. I got my bachelor's now. Working on my master's. So that's just another story for the books. But I ended up losing the scholarship. But yeah, high school. High school. I learned a lot about like loyalty. I learned a lot about finesse. Cause you know I lived on the south side. I went to school on the west side. 
and I used to get dropped off on the north side waiting for my mother after school. So I always had an idea of what each side was about, but I, ne I never really went to the east side like that. Now that I think about it, um, even until now, like it's not, it's not. I, you know, a lot of my friends lived on the east, but I didn't, I didn't really hang out there like that. When you get to Brockton High now, it's a mix of everybody. So now you're dealing with everybody just in a big old mixing pot. And at the time, I think we had like 4,000 students, some a little over 4,000 students. Um, so that experience, you know, you got a lot of tension with a group of niggas, like you really never know. You always have to be on edge, but I made it out. It, it, you know, took some losses in the process, but we made it out. Shout out to my brother too. My brother held it down a few times. He almost actually ended up getting kicked off the basketball team over holding it down a couple of times. And I didn't even look for this trouble. That's that's the thing about high school. Like you didn't have to look for trouble. Just based on who you hanging around and what you doing, it just kind of came to you. But I didn't look for that shit. I just stayed low key, got my money, and just dipped out of there. I didn't even want to go to college, truth be told. Um, but my housemaster at the time, he gave me an option. You could go to Phoenix, which was an alternative school, or I could join this program. It was called My Turn. Shout out to My Turn, man. They really, they really turned my life around. Um, but My Turn, and My Turn was a, a thing in the school where they pretty much helped you get to that next level, prepared you for college, prepared you for the exams. Um, just trying to, you know, took you to the school to the schools during the summers, like did the visits with you. Um, so I joined my turn, my junior year. I want to say it's my junior year. And you know, at first it was just kind of like, ah, right, whatever, let me just do it, just so I could just get out of the school. But you know, I gained a lot from it. I gained a lot from that program. And uh, and in my senior year. I, I ended up taking this class. Was this small business entrepreneurship? I don't remember. I wish I could remember the name of the class and the name of that teacher, because that teacher changed my life. And the class, they were pretty much teaching you how to start a business, build a business, and just financing. And I never seen no shit like that and at all in my in my um and all of my schooling, like just period in my environment. You know, my mother coming from a third world country, she's not teaching me how to build a business. We're just trying to make it every day. Um, so I learned that and I was like, oh shit, like this is what I want to do. Um, and it coincided with, with what I was doing at my turn. Cause my turn, we'd go out to these competitions and I ended up winning the trophy for entrepreneurship. And this was in 2000, hold on, let me see. I got the trophy right here. Let me see what year. 2006, so yeah, this was um, either the end of my junior year or the beginning of my senior year, because I graduated in 2007. And I mixed both, and that business class, I ended up getting picked as the leader of the business where we woke up early and set up a little table to sell coffee um, to, the, to the students and the teachers. And just those things coming together kind of gave me this, it just kind of sparked this whole I want to be an entrepreneur. Like I don't, I don't know what it means quite yet, but I know that these things that I've been doing, this is what I want. Like this whole business thing, this is what I want to do. But I still had a lot to learn. I 
definitely still had a lot to learn. You know, one class in the program wasn't going to teach me everything I needed to know. But fast forwarding it a little bit, you know, I'm applying for schools, whatever. I'm a C average student, not really concerned about any of that. And I come home one day and I, you know, that's what my mother wanted. So my college letters would come, they'd be open before I got home. And, you know, if she left them on the table, I already knew it was a no-go. But one day I come home and there's a letter. It's already open, but it's on my desk in my room. And the letter was there and I opened it. It was from Curry College and I got accepted. I was taken back by it. You know, you did all the work and you're like, oh shit. I'm going to college. I ain't know shit about financial aid. I ain't know shit about how I was gonna pay it. I ain't know shit about shit. I just know I got a letter sitting right here and I'm about to go to college. So I, I took it, I was like, fuck it, we gone. And they had a business program, I signed up for it. And uh, you know, started my next journey in life. Just like, all right, I'm going to college. That experience in itself, I learned a lot too. One thing I regret about that experience, which I'll get into in a second, but college definitely put me in position to be where I am now, just from learning everything from accounting to project planning. Um, those things definitely played a role in me building a lot of the brands that I'm working on now. But rewind a little bit. Yeah, so I go, I get to the school. At the time, I'm still that Brockton nigga. Got my corn rolls, extra baggy, 6XT. And I was a big dude. I was probably like 300 pounds. <coughs> so I come through my 6X polo and my dribbles. I didn't have J's back then because we couldn't really afford them like that. But I was wearing um, FUBU kicks. Now, actually, by college, I had a little bread. I lied. I had a little bread because um, I, I was working at Best Buy by then. I had a little bread and you know, running little schemes in the spot, little, little money was getting made. At that point, I stopped selling butt for a little bit because scamming was lucrative as fuck. I'm not gonna get too into detail to know I wasn't stealing anybody's identity or nothing like that, or like, you know, faking credit cards, but I was finessing loopholes in the system. So that shit was pretty lucrative for me. And I got to college, I ended up getting sniped for it. I ended up getting sniped for it. They didn't get me for everything, but Best Buy pretty much caught me up on some of the stuff and I ended up getting fired, but ended up at Sprint. So this is all transitioning my freshman year um, in college. So I ended up at Sprint. And anybody that worked at Sprint back then will tell you, man, like 4G was rolling around, Bruh, it was the Wild West and wireless, so my money was good going into Sprint. But now back to um, to school. So this is still my freshman year. I show up to my class. I'm confident. I'm like, yo, you know, not everybody in my family gets here. Fuck it, I'm doing this. And my professor, which ended up being one of my favorite professors. Actually, he was probably my favorite professor. I walk into the class. He looks at me up and down. And I already knew what time it was. I looked around, there was two black kids in the class and the other black kid was a girl. So they might have 
not caught on to this, but I, I kept catching it. So this is not remarks. Like at some points he'll be talking about food. Like, you know, he was an Italian dude. So I eat fine things, this, that, and the third. But you know, some people like ribs and chicken. And he's like, right, Marvin? Like little jabs like that. And um, I was like, okay, I get it. I don't know if he's racist or not, but we'll see where it goes. Or what he would do is like, he would go around the class shaking kids' hands. If a kid had their hat backwards, he'll give him a high five. He'll get to my table and he'll give me a pound. And I was like, okay, so now he's trying me. Fine. I didn't take it personal because I didn't know the new environment that I was in. Uh, after the class, I went to his assistant. I was like, yo, I noticed a couple things. What, what was that about? He's like, honestly, he really likes you. But I'll be honest, his comment was like, the way he looks, he would never close a deal with me. That's what he said. Andre had the cornrows, extra baggy, whatever. I was like, all right, fuck it. I get it. So came time for our first presentation as a group. I go out, I get a suit, cut my hair, get a line up. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for this motherfucker. Like, oh, man, it's about to be my class today. Get to, pre to, to the presentation, I show up. Ooh, you know, I get the look. He doesn't know what to expect. I just keep it low key. And he had this thing that he did where he would keep mints in his pocket. And if he asked a question to a student and they were right, he would give him the mint and keep walking. So I'm in there, I got mints loaded in my pocket. I'm ready to go. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready for him. And I'm presenting, I'm presenting, then I'm walking around the class just like he does, and I get in front of him and I ask him a question, looking at him. Before he answers, he leans back in his chair and fixes his glasses. He answers. I take a mint out of my pocket and I put it on the desk and I proceed with my presentation. Keep going, I say nothing. Our group finishes. That's the end of that story. He pulls me aside at the end of the class, like, I want you to know you're natural. And I was like, thanks. And from there, our relationship really built. Um, and I did, I did pretty good. I did pretty good in college, especially in the program. Like the other classes were all right. Um, that's where I learned about pulling cards too in college. That, that environment showed me different. Like you can't just do what you want. One example was uh, my, my uh, English teacher. On the syllabus, he put that if you miss one assignment, you pretty much fail the class. But I was gonna call his bluff. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna call his bluff, and bro, I missed one assignment. It was a short reading assignment, as a matter of fact. It wasn't even nothing crazy. I was passing everything, A's and B's. But there was one small reading, like you'd read a chapter and you'd give him like five sentences about it and I didn't do it. My man failed me. My man failed me. And I came to him um, like, yo, this is crazy. What is this? And he was like, yo, it's in your syllabus, it's in your syllabus. And I'm like, yo, fuck the syllabus, yo. Fuck is this? He's like, yeah, man, it's in your syllabus, so. It is what it is. And at that point, I learned about niggas really pulling your card. 
Like if they say something, they mean it. And he worked with me, he ended up giving me a D minus. Fuck it, I took that shit. I took that shit, I was like, yo, it is what it is, I fucked up. But ever since then, I learned like, yo, you can't just walk around doing what you want out here. Like these teachers mean what they say. And that's that. So, with that said, I was also, I mean, I wasn't the only thing I was stubborn about either. I just thought I knew everything. Just coming from a, a background where, you know, defending yourself all the time, you just felt like you always were right. And another another L that I took, just thinking I, I was Mr. Know-it-all, I was terrified of stocks, don't get me wrong, I was terrified. And my professor kept trying to put me on, like, yo, you know, what do you think about this stock and that stock? And I'm like, oh, they're gonna fail. And at the time we were talking about Netflix. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, there was a point where Netflix was actually going to, um, they were going to split their, um, what's it called? Their services where they were gonna have, have DVDs and have, have um, streaming. And I was for sure confident, like, oh, this company's going out of business. Just reading what the people were saying. And at the time, Netflix was probably trading at like six, seven dollars. And I'm like, all right, nah, it's not gonna work, it's not gonna work. Mind you, I never bought stocks a day in my fucking life, but this guy's talking to me about it. And I'm like, nah, shit's gonna flop. Fuck Netflix, they try to charge me for two services, taking it real personal. By the time I looked at Netflix, after I graduated, of course, by the time I looked at Netflix, they were over $700 and ended up splitting. If you guys don't know about a stock split, it's pretty much where, let's say the stock is worth 1,000 and he split 10 ways. If you own one share at 1,000, they'll give you 10 shares at 100. So the shit went from six, $7 to the point that he was talking to me. Mind you, I was making decent money. That's nothing to invest. I could have invested 10,000. 20,000, who knows, I was still living in my mother's house. But the next time I looked at it, mind you, I still never invested in stocks after this. I'm still stubborn, like, God, whatever. The shit was at 700 plus dollars. That moment, I was like, nah, I'm learning this shit. I'm learning this shit today. I'm not letting another moment pass. And Netflix ended up splitting a couple years later. Or was it that summer? I don't remember when that split happened, but I ended up buying Netflix at that point but uh my my test dummy for stocks was blue mobile shout out to blue mobile i don't know if you guys know about blue mobile they're pretty much they're the guys that created um the kim kardashian game so one day i was looking it up that's how i looked it up i swear to you i just looked up cheap stocks like to start buying and um Blue Mobile came up and it was probably like $5 at the time or some shit like that, like $3-$4. And I didn't know. It just looked like, oh yeah, Blue Mobile, that's the one. And I bought into them for like $50. And it went up because of the Kim Kardashian game drop. It went up to like $7. So my first buy was a win. And I was like, okay, I see how this shit works. And then from there, I started investing into different things and diversified my portfolio. I'll get into my portfolio probably at a later episode. Right now, if you guys 
aren't paying too much attention to the market, it's at like a record high, man. So I don't I don't want to give any advice right now or any opinions where people may lose their money once it kind of balances itself out. But yeah, back to school. So my college experience, that's that's the experience that humbled me the most. The money was good. And I ended up getting cancer my uh, junior year, the end of my junior year. Well, I had cancer the end of my junior year, found out that summer. So I went into my senior year with cancer. Hodgkin's lymphoma, exactly. Um, but I, I thought I was the shit still. You know, I went through it like a champ, man. I still work full time, still went to school full time. Went through my chemo sessions, like just banked it all out. But um, where I didn't see myself lacking was the emotional part. Like even in my relationship, I, was, I wasn't present. With my family, I wasn't present. Um, so I'm going through this whole thing. Meanwhile, my relationship's falling apart. I'm kind of losing touch with my family. You know, the ones that were supportive were there. Not saying that, you know, my girl at the time wasn't supportive or anything like that. But, you know, the friction was there. She stayed down, but it just, you can tell, like, it was at wit's end. Like, we weren't really happy. And, you know, once I got better, we ended up splitting. I graduated, and I became more aware of everything. Because once I graduated college, I turned 21. I wasn't doing chemo no more. Like, it was a lot of good that happened after a lot of bad. And I didn't balance out my emotional, the, the emotional piece. Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't even know what to call that. Uh, mental health, maybe? I, I could label it mental health. I didn't balance that out. I was just kind of trucking. So that shit came back to haunt me. That September, like literally when I wasn't going back to school, I quit my job. You know, my money was straight, selling butt again. But that shit came back to haunt me, and I ended up depressed for a few months. I gained weight. I'm my biggest, I was like 320. Bill collectors, I never heard of no shit like that. Um, I don't know, my life just got turned upside down. I was starting a business, I kind of gave up. And I had to rebuild myself through that process, which was kind of the beginning of where I'm at today. Because right now, I still feel like I'm at the beginning, weirdly enough. And I probably started this process, what, 22, 23, and I'm 30 now but I still feel like I'm at the beginning of everything that I've been doing. My 20s were pretty much filled with a lot of fun, a lot of losses, a lot of wins, love, hate, just just a whole bunch of everything. Um, You know, we had a crew with the whole nightlife thing, we did that. And I'll talk about good life at a later time. Probably the next episode, I'll get into that whole good life thing. For those that know, if you don't know, I'll introduce you to it. But just my life just kind of took a spin. So from the time I moved to Brockton up until I moved to Florida, just shit was weird. Even when I moved to Florida, shit got very weird. But Florida alone's another episode in itself. But shit just got weird. It kept getting weirder. And on my 30th birthday, I was in Miami with my sister and her boyfriend and my goddaughter, they showed me some love. Like, it was just a lot of love. Um, I celebrated that. And then I went to Boston to celebrate my mother's birthday because she's born on the 20th, we're both Leos. 
And it was just two weeks of just love and family. And it was the reset I needed after everything. Because I've been away from family for so long. And then I got to enjoy family. And shout out to my manager too at work. He made that happen for me. Because I don't know how I got all that time off. Um, but he made that happen for me. I really appreciated that. But I got to spend time with my family. And it gave me that reset that I needed. So now... I'm just going balls deep into everything I'm doing. I've been test driving a lot of different ideas, a lot of different things, but now I'm more so executing and starting off. Now, this pilot episode isn't quite how this podcast is going to go. It's really just kind of getting acquainted to my listeners. You guys are getting to know me. Hopefully I get to know you guys. By the next episode, I'll have an IG set up for you guys to follow Um, but you guys can email me at readytotalkpodcast at gmail that's what I have set up for this right now I'd I'd love to hear from you guys Uh, later on once I I get the Marvin part out of the way I'll definitely be bringing in guests you know some of the guests to help me with the stock market some of the guests to help me with business law just to kind of give you guys everything as I progress through this journey because from here on out I'm literally going to be building my brand and I would love for you guys to be a part of it I would love for you guys to be a part of it now if you listen up to this point if you listen up to this point I want to thank you you know I didn't bore you too too much Uh, just kind of going over some of the most impactful parts of my life that created the business side and I didn't get in too much into like the personal stuff and getting in trouble just because I want to keep it more so about what I'm doing now like everything that kind of set me up to be here maybe we'll touch base a little bit later but I, I don't want I don't even want anybody to look at me as as anything other than this person that I'm trying to become so I'm leading forward with that I really want to thank y'all I appreciate y'all for subscribing. Reach out to me. You can find me on IG, Mont's Real, M-O-N-T-S, Real, M-O-N-T-S, Real. Check me out. Come leave comments. Talk to me. Uh, It's the same on Twitter. Y'all can't really have my Facebook like that. It's a little, that's family shit. But outside of that, everywhere else, man, just reach out. I want to give out a shout out to my dog Prophet. He's right here sleeping. I don't know if the mic's picking up him snoring. That boy not. And just shout out to everybody that took part in that roller coaster ride. But this roller coaster is just really getting started. So stay buckled down, 10 toes. And we're going to get to it. I feel real confident of everything that I got going on, everything that's coming. Um, I feel real confident just letting you guys enter my personal life. I don't really talk about personal shit much. I barely talk to people I don't know, to be honest. Um, shit, I barely tell people I know shit. But the point of this podcast is just I'm going to let it all out. Like if, if, if things that had happened helped shift me to be the person I am today, good or bad, they might not want to hear it. But I, I, my goal is just to be honest and just to be transparent so thank you guys so as you guys know 
Now I'm ready to talk, so I'll see you guys next week and the week after that and the week after that and the week after that. And I might even have some giveaways to keep y'all coming back. So tune in. I appreciate y'all.